0: The Columbia trip in there looked amazing.
1: It was pretty wild. um, Yeah, I never had that amount of time to focus on creating or just that much free time in general. So it was uh, a little bit of getting used to that.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it was a different kind of travel because you're traveling, you're in a different country, of course, but you're not getting up and just sitting on the beach all day. Mm -hmm. But you're also figuring out, well, what does my creative day look like in Colombia for a month?
0: Which is fun, but scary in some ways, I think.
2: Yeah, and you're you're out of your element in that, like neither one of us, Mike didn't have his recording studio and I didn't have my painting studio. So we were there writing, but I think... When you're used to kind of having all these balls in the air, yeah. it, it took some mental getting used to waking up every day and being like, "I'm what do I want to do? Like, you're not really given that kind of freedom back no. home ever. Well. So, have you ever done anything like that?
0: Never. That's something I would want to do at some point, but I don't know how my life would allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, it'll be sounds like cool though.
2: Yeah, it was unique,
1: and especially being in the the jungle. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. so yeah, there are there are lots of lots of surprises, creepy
0: crawlers, and oh things. yeah, lots of
1: creepy
2: crawlers. <laughs> like every place you would sit down or step, anything you were monitoring for oh, deadly creatures. So,
0: did you see any scorpions?
1: No. I don't, I don't know if there were scorpions there. We we saw a tarantula in the Ooh. wild, like, walking by cool. our door.
2: Like, massive, hairy. Like, you could have <laughs> shaved it and made some type of toupee, I think. Or, wow. Yeah. He was a big boy.
1: Uh Snakes, the caterpillars, three dangerous, three deadly caterpillars.
2: Caterpillars. So, yeah, of all things. <laughs> Here, you pick them up and, like, cradle them around in your hand and pet them and... You wouldn't do that there.
1: <laughs> are you good? You can hear everything. I can, yeah. Okay, perfect.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's
1: get this rolling. Uh, okay. We are here with Dwayne Jones from Art Pays Me. Dwayne is a podcaster, a creative, a designer. You do a lot of things, Dwayne. How how are you doing, buddy? It's it's awesome <laughs> to have you in our space here. <laughs>
0: Thank you. I'm honored to be here. I'm a fan of both of you two. So, and of course you've been on my podcast. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: so we're, we're, uh, well, we're young in the podcasting game. You've <laughs> been, you've been doing that for a number of years now. Yeah. And, uh, we're, we're, we're following your lead.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I'm a good person to follow, but hey, I'll take it. <laughs> you're a good
2: leader. I would like to hear about your podcasting experience, though, because sure. we are just a couple of months in, or maybe three months now, we're releasing weekly episodes, but what was your motivation to get started in the podcasting world?
0: I think um, being a fan of podcasts first, yeah. I I just spent years listening to them and really feeling like I was getting a lot of information that I couldn't get other places from podcast yeah um specifically like uh hearing interviews from artists and designers that I really admired and hearing their like I, I liked the struggle stories and uh you know this is what I did I gave you know 10 t-shirts to this this whatever group and then it took off and then it ended up in the right person's hands and this is how my brand became this so I, I love hearing those kind of things. And then uh, um, there is one in particular podcast that I think that really got me motivated was, it's called Adventures in Design. And it's I used to listen to it all the time. Um, but there was one thing, I every now and then I would disagree with stuff that he had to say and, and some of the other shows I listened to too. So I find myself like arguing with them and I'm like I wish I was on the show and then I could like
2: <laughs> you're walking with your headphones just screaming out <laughs> loud at the host.
0: <laughs> yeah, just be like, "Man, I don't agree with that. I think blah blah blah, blah blah." <laughs> and then also like um I felt like certain stories I wanted to share that I just wasn't hearing in podcasts. So I was mm. like, "Huh. Maybe I need to be part of that. If if there's certain stories I want to hear, why don't I bring them forward?" And If I feel like I should be articulating certain ideas or I can, then, you know, what's stopping me?
2: Yeah. And certainly other people are wanting to hear those stories as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's I guess that's kind of it. I think what. The ultimate thing that made it happen. So I actually had this thing called Future Glitterati that I used to do maybe 10 years ago, (laughs) something like that.
2: (laughs) I don't know about this. (laughs)
0: yeah and it actually is technically a podcast it's still still out there on soundcloud somewhere um but i was like interviewing i used to interview people for different publications like musicians and stuff but like written interviews and i started doing it under my own thing called future glitterati and then near the end like the last two or three of them i actually just recorded them and released them as audio episodes and um so I would say that was probably my first like dabble into podcasting. Then it was like reaching out to people who, whose podcasts I respected. And like, can I get, can I be a guest? Can I be a guest Yeah. and then seeing what it looked like to be a guest on a show Then I was like, you know what, um, the thing that made it ultimately happen was I reached out to this guy, Terrence, uh, online, and he was interested in doing a podcast too. And then we both kind of connected with this, this dude, Peter. And Peter was like, yeah, he wanted to do a podcast. So we had just by chance connected with them separately. And none of us really knew each other that well. And then we just came together and we created the change in the narrative podcast and yeah, that's where really, when I really like started taking podcasting seriously.
1: That's amazing. I, I feel like for me, a podcast. Uh, And I'm first a a listener and a fan Mm -hmm. as well, and I feel like the the podcasts I like are ones where I would love to be in a room adding to that conversation. It just sounds like a bunch of friends talking, like, oh, I like that group of people, and I feel like I could be either a valuable asset there or just would love to be in their presence. And the the podcasts that I've listened to on Art Pays Me just have that kind of vibe, like just people talking about their their career and their inspiration and what what really makes them be themselves. And as artists ourselves, like I'm listening in, and that's just like they're the conversations that I want to have. Like it's just, I think that's the essence of a good podcast, and that's what what I see in what you're doing.
0: Oh, thank you. Is that so? Is that kind of similar to like why you two started this? Were you just like, ah, oh, we have certain stories we want to hear, and we're not feeling that there? Like, let's. Is that?
2: I think there's a couple of prongs here. One is more self-serving, and it, we have this genuine interest in learning from other creative people. There's always something. We collaborate a lot. You and I have collaborated and, and, you know, all three of us in our own separate ways have met lots of people just through our work. And you you quickly discover there's always something to be learned. And it's not often that even in those scenarios are you sitting down and getting to know someone on a more personal level. Mm -hmm. So it's been this really incredible way to just meet people in our own city, like you're saying, that you admire, that whose work you might have been following for a long time. And once you get to sit and dig into some of these deeper things about them, you're you're always walking away with something valuable, like be it just a new friendship or a tip, a piece of advice, something about marketing. I mean, it could be anything. So that's happening, and that was of interest. But I think it's also part of our motivation has been just giving a little bit more understanding of what it means to live a life as an artist and take some of those risks and normalizing it as a valid, valuable career. Um, So we hope through interviewing guests like you and sharing some of our own, especially, struggles, uh, trying to be honest about that aspect of it, too, will shed some light on what this world kind of looks like.
0: Right. Yeah. Actually I forgot about that aspect of it too. Cause yeah, the selfish part of it for me was also <laughs> that. It's like A content marketing, um, B increasing your network. And it's like and just learning stuff from yeah. from these folks. And and I, I have to say, like I have made friends and people say oh, it's hard to make friends once you're a certain age, but start a podcast. <laughs> 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 you start making friends. It's it's interesting. Um how many good relationships I've started as a because we've just had this this intimate conversations with somebody,,
2: yeah. yeah, you're not making small talk and and even when you have friends over for dinner, say, like you're still kind of in that space of catching up or asking mm-hmm. about their family, and that's lovely. and that's how we behave as humans. But it would almost be unusual if I invited you over for dinner and started you know grilling you <laughs> with questions about your creative process <laughs> like sure we can talk about this yeah. but this is the most natural setting to do that where you're almost expecting me to fire yeah. those at you so well, yeah,
0: it's funny you say that so I- i'm wondering if both of you experienced this uh because I-, I get it every now and then where people want to meet with you just to like see what you do or see what you're all about and it's like it is like you get the sense that they want to interview you but then it's like you know it's the whole pick your brain thing but i'm like not nah, i really don't have time for that is is that something that happens to you too
1: i think that i guess you, a lot of the new people i meet are just on there's a, a various degree of what they're they're looking for and mm-hmm. as a as a band and a musician like some people i meet are just fans i guess right. and sometimes they're just curious about what it's like to be a musician like when's the next album coming out who's doing it like just i guess the curious questions that a fan may be interested in um i i guess the, this podcast is so new that we haven't had like a million people coming up trying to figure out how how this works or anything mm-hmm. What do you think, Kristen?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's certainly people who are curious and maybe have asked to be guests. Um, and if we think that it makes sense to have that conversation with that person, then of course. I think it's more people that approach us. And, and Mike gets approached more than I do just because he's in the public eye more. But it's it's often very complimentary and more just making those remarks rather than asking a lot of questions. Okay. Yeah. But maybe that'll evolve. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, not I'm thinking about it, I wasn't even thinking specifically as a podcast. I was thinking more just as a musician and yeah. as an artist. But like, yeah. I think that probably did increase after I got the podcast because people are always confused. Like, what is it? Maybe it's because I do too much stuff, kind of curse.
2: Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe
0: because I do too much shit. They're just like, what is it that you actually do? So they want to like, sit down with me and have a like a deep conversation about yeah. all the stuff I'm doing?
2: Well, I wanted to, I'm, it's, I'm glad you raised this because it's something I wanted to ask you about for a couple of reasons. One is that I I kind of find myself in that same challenge in okay. that, uh, because I'll identify myself as an artist. And then of course, well, what does that mean? That can be any number right. of things. And I use that word for that reason, because there are a number of kind of subheadings under that. hmm I I feel like all of that work, so painting and furniture design, collaborating, we're doing this podcast, we've released a book, like that's a lot of things, yeah. and I've enjoyed doing all of them. But I I myself can appreciate how it can feel a little bit muddy, or like what does your what do you identify with the most? So did you like in your evolution of all of your different expressions of creativity, was it more about well, if I'm prolific in doing these things, I'll widen my audience? Or is this just you experimenting? Like, how did it come about that all of these things, all these balls were in the air at once?
0: <sighs> yeah. Um, <I laughs> Who think, am I? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, I, so I, this is my ongoing struggle. I actually, uh, I ran into artist uh, Michelle Silliboy last week and I was telling her, like, how I'm trying to, like, be a painter and and focus on that and she was like why you don't have to Let's do it all why why I don't focus on one thing so it's like oh. oh no uh okay uh so now I gotta rethink again uh, okay
2: <laughs> if you say so
0: <laughs> um yeah so I think because of the way I started out on this sort of creative journey um well I, I was an artist first then went to NASCAD and really just like transformed into a designer and made very clear distinct lines between the two and after that for years i just identified as a designer uh but as i start to really understand like the the, who i am as an individual i think i started to think you know i don't necessarily want all of my work to be dictated by someone else or a client brief or whatever the case may be. I want to have my own self-directed stuff, which is kind of where the art pays me thing came from, because it's like, um, you know, you su- make suggestions to clients and they would reject them all the time. And you would think there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not good or whatever. So it's like, what happens if I build my own product line? What happens if I post my own media outlet? What happens if I create all my, my own things and cut out these middle people um so it was like an opportunity for me to take all these skill sets that i have and, and um use them i guess but then yeah as, as i went along i was like actually why do i need to throw away design and then i'm also like well why do i need to throw away art and then i have these other skills why not use them all and I've even been thinking about writing a book and um, the idea of diversifying specifically too. now, since we've been in the the pandemic, it's like, okay, one element of my creative life isn't working. So I can now shift and focus on this one as markets shift. And then I kind of always have an opportunity to leverage something. But the downside of it is being one person. And like right now, I've got 50 things going on at once and everybody wants an answer from me and I can't do it. So I have to figure that out now.
1: Do <laughs> you ever think of outsourcing in, in some capacity? Hiring an assistant or bringing, bringing someone on? And I know you're, you currently have a a real job. uh, (laughs) So you're you're balancing a lot of things together.
0: Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think if I had more time out, like if I didn't have the day job, I probably have more time to do all this other stuff. And it would not feel as hectic. And I have considered outsourcing the ironic thing is a lot of people who have asked me to do that are also people that I do work for. So, Mm -hmm. uh, like I'm the I'm the outsource for them. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah, like and I would if if there was more money. So this is the other side of it. Um uh the client stuff is more or less guaranteed money. Um, but it's feast or famine. Sometimes there you just there's no clients and sometimes there's too many clients. But then like the art pays me stuff is always like me fronting money to produce product and then mm-hmm. marketing it, spending time designing it, website, all of that crap to try and now sell these product that I that I spent all this time producing and marketing. And um, even the fashion shows that I'm doing, some of the art that I'm producing, there's no guarantee that any of that stuff's gonna sell. There's no guarantee any of that stuff is gonna take off. I could love a t-shirt design and then it just kind of sits. So it's um it's it's hard it's it's financially difficult for me to be to hire someone to to help me out because I don't have the funds to pay them, but that ideally is what I need to do.
2: It's such a cycle, and what you're describing feels just so familiar in in all of this behind the scenes work that you're doing like you you have to be promoting and photographing and mm-hmm. writing about and researching different ways of advertising your product and reaching new markets it's it's endless and and all of this work to sell the t-shirt or to sell the painting and but yet you're putting not just your uh creativity into designing that t-shirt there's hours upon hours of extra work and and i think it's important for us collectively to talk about that too so that there is a better understanding and Especially most of our audiences see us show up either on our podcast or social media, both of which look and sound really fun. Yeah. And for the most part, yes, they are. We wouldn't do them or we enjoy them at least. But, you know, after we wrap up this podcast, there's editing to be done. There Mm -hmm. there are social posts to be made. There's uh, we do sponsorships. There's reaching out to those audiences and uh, writing up a script and recording it. And it's not a complaint it's just part of the process that no one sees you, you get yeah. the shiny end result. So yeah. And you're, you're doing all of these different product projects or all of these elements have to factor into each of those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, and that's one of the things like I find young people sometimes ask me how to start a clothing brand or, um, cause it looks so cool. You see the models, you see all that stuff. And, uh, I'm like, that's so easy. Like, the starting a brand is easy. You could start a brand in an hour. Like, yeah. literally, just, you know, throw up some designs and open up a Shopify, and boom, you got a brand. But it's all the other stuff that's the hard part. That, like, that's what you need to ask me about, not how to start a brand. That's easy. So
2: How do you stay motivated?
0: Um, I stay motivated because I don't think um I can do anything else uh I don't think like for instance like you said I have another job I have a day job um I like my day job my employer is good and benefits and all that good stuff so it allows me to um like when my business falls flat and things aren't working out I don't necessarily have to freak out I'm I'm okay yeah um but the thing that I realize like every time, every now and then when I get really frustrated and overwhelmed and everything else, I'm like, why am I torturing myself with all this extra work that everyone else is like, yay, it's the weekend. It's Friday. Mm-hmm. blah blah blah, Happy Friday. And I'm like, yeah, it's just, you know, when I go home, I'm going to start my other job and yeah. <laughs> there is no break. <laughs> um, But I just, I, I, and I think about a scenario where all I have is my day job and I just see that person is not being very happy. Uh, there's some fulfillment I get from knowing there's this potential, uh, of doing all this other extra stuff that really lights me up. Like I've made more money individually on one project as an artist, uh, than I have in say my day job, you know? So certain times I'm just like, yeah, the, the ceiling is to the sky with this thing and that's what kind of keeps me going it's like i i don't want to give up this potential i don't want to be and this is morbid but i think about death all the time and like what happens when i die am i going to say i did everything and live to the full potential or am i going to be like you know i wish i tried that thing you know my basketball career is never going to happen so like (laughs) the art is there i got to do it
1: we we had uh A guest on just a few days ago, and she asked me if uh, would I rather have a billion dollars in the bank, but I could never create anything ever again. No one could ever hear, see, or I wasn't even allowed to write a word, kind (laughs) of thing, or play guitar in front of someone, or I just keep doing what I'm doing, and I can create, and just whatever happens, happens. And obviously, a billion dollars would, I could change a lot of people's lives. And, but I know myself personally, I would not be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Like, having that money would not in any way fulfill me because I feel like creating is a necessary thing for me and seeing where my ideas take me and seeing how people react to that. And I wouldn't hold it against anyone who chooses the billion dollars because, <laughs> again, like, that's generational wealth that sure would set up your kids 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 for life you yeah. know um but i know myself i wouldn't be fulfilled and i feel like you probably wouldn't be fulfilled either in that situation
0: it's true like every now and then you know there are things that people will suggest to me you should do xyz because it'll get you more money and i just stop and think yeah but would i be happy doing it no then it's not worth it yeah. so for me, you know, money, and you know, I say art pays me, that's the name of my brand, but when I think about money, it's, it, well, payment, it's beyond financial. It's about, I start to think about the fundamentals of what do I want out of this time I have on earth? How much, what do I want to spend it doing? Do I want to, you know, why do we want money? We want money because we want happiness. That's what we think anyway. We want comfort. We want, all these other things that money actually doesn't do. Money is, is fake. It's nothing. It's real. It's not, not, but the human experiences are the real thing. So what happens if you can still have those human experiences of happiness, et cetera, et cetera, um, without necessarily having the money? Um, but the money helps, if that makes sense.
1: Well, we all, we all need a roof over our head food in our bellies yeah, all those necessities. So I don't think anyone would want to be, should, should be poor, like, yeah. like starving, but they get to play songs with their friends. Like that's not going to help them yeah. kind of thing. Like you, you do need money. Everyone, everyone needs money. It's just when your goal in life is money, I feel like that's when it becomes an issue. Like when yeah, you're we looking for those, oh, this, this car I'm going to get, I'm going to feel like a badass when I get that or when I get into this house i'm going to feel you know awesome I'm going to keep having those material goals, like
0: those people, because there's
1: a lot of very unhappy billionaires out there, and there's always someone who has more money than you do. that's the thing like you maybe
2: the billionaires are unhappy because they're really the artist that was faced with the decision that you were asking <laughs> <laughs> maybe and yeah, maybe
1: they took that bet from. The devil on the side of the road. Elon and- Musk
2: is really a sculptor. <laughs> <of> it. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: But it's, it's harder, I, th- I think, a little bit for artists because there's at least this assumption or stigma that at a particular level of an artist's career that you're not making a lot of money. Yeah. So none of us are billionaires or millionaires or maybe mm-hmm. even thousandaires. <laughs> 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 but... You're when faced with the decision of, you know, there's probably not a lot of, say, bankers that would answer the billion dollar question in the same way. Like if you never got to count money again, Mm -hmm. they probably wouldn't feel the same kind of loss or identity loss that each of us would in having to to go down that road. But. Of course, your basic needs need to be met. And Dwayne, I know, like with you having your day job you're not in I imagine in your creative process you're not as worried about the income or the outcome strictly financially speaking right so how how does that or not impact your creative process like is that it's removing that anxiety necessary
0: uh I've, I've heard other artists talk about this that are way more successful than me and I They would say yes, and I would agree to an extent. So the way I I look at my business now, and I think of it as a business, my creative practice as a business, but uh, the Art Pied Me Clothing brand is a commercial product. So at at first, when I first started it, it was like, it's a creative outlet. I'm going to do whatever I want, et cetera, et cetera. But now I, I really started to be conscious of, okay, what does the brand mean to certain people? Uh, what do they expect to see? What am I going to be happy with putting out, and kind of trying to find like find a balance between those two? And it's not just me willy nilly putting anything on a t shirt. Um, but then when it comes to say my painting practice, that's where where I'm like, I want to give myself complete freedom to explore, and whatever comes out of it comes out of it. Um, but there's also but then you know my my brain starts thinking commercially because it just has to and and i'm like well how do i get the attention of carl friedman gallery or somebody like that like what do i need to do and then you start realizing oh man if i do that that means i need to start shifting my my creative practice which is what i mean i was saying before about like am i doing too many things because when you look at uh painters that seem to be doing well in that sense their output is very high. My output's not that, not as high as I would like it to be. And they have very consistent aesthetic, a very consistent thing of what they put out continually, continually. So, um, to, uh, (laughs) to come back, yes, it does take away, um, the stress of having to focus on those things. But because I'm trying to set myself up for a life of not needing that day job, like even with my graphic design practice, that's completely client driven. And I used to get frustrated when I didn't have as much creative control from that. But now I'm like, no, I don't need it. I don't need the creative control. I'm happy to work within whatever um, the client needs uh, because I'm going to look at that as my practical That'll replace the day job. That'll be my, my practical space. And then my fun space doesn't need to make money. But if it does, great.
2: Mm. I love this answer. I've never really had someone talk about it in that way. Meaning like you can still have creative expressions, take care of that foundation mm-hmm. and find other means of that for your playtime and experimentation. But it's all under this umbrella of like, I, I still get to be an artist at least.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like life in general. I think, you know, we don't enjoy every aspect of a life. We own a home. It's wonderful. We own a home, but then you got to cut the grass. You got to, you know, clean it. You got to do all kinds of other crap to own a, ho- a home. So it's like, there's, there's more to it. And I think a creative career is that, that aspect too. There are going to be certain things that you just need to do to maintain life uh in that um it can't just be play all the time mm-hmm. people love it if it was but it's just not reality
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's tough when you do if you had if like if i had that billion dollars in the bank yeah. <laughs> and i was allowed to be an artist you you would just have ultimate freedom at a point like that and obviously you don't need a billion dollars even a little bit like mm-hmm. just that safety net I think. They talk about um, universal basic income, yeah, and I don't even know how much it would be or whatever, but some say like, whatever, $1,500 a month, which is not a lot of money. But even that amount, I think the world of art, say if that was in Canada, would just explode. Sure. Just Mm -hmm. because people starting out were like, I don't have to. Worry about surviving this month. I can focus all my attention on this song or this painting, or and yeah, you're you're not getting rich off the money that the you're getting from the UBI, right? But it gives you that safety net and the freedom.
0: Yeah, and the irony of it, and I'm sure you you two could, could relate. It's the beauty, but also the terror of like when you do get to like drop all of that. Uh oh! What are people gonna think? And you just like go into your creative bag, and then people love what you did, and it's like whoa! That thing sold better than anything I thought, and it was like completely left field. Uh, yeah. Um. That having that is is an incredible freedom.
2: Yeah, and it's it's always difficult to know what your audience is looking for mm-hmm. compared to what you think is exceptional. Cause I've made paintings before. I'm like, I love this. Yep. Somebody will buy this for sure today. And it sits for three years exactly. versus something else where I'm like, uh, and then it goes, you just, you never know. That's and been a lesson. How much,
1: how much is your art, I guess, um, not controlled, but influenced by your audience. Like, yeah, I know myself personally, I think, they're fairly aligned because we found an audience. We have that audience people. now, and it's. But sometimes I, I, like I'm writing a course, and I'm like, should I say fuck here or like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there's just certain lines. Maybe you think that I would think of if I was 100% creating just to create, it wouldn't have that dialogue sure. in my head, and then doesn't change what I do a lot, but it probably does some. How's that for you?
0: Yeah. I would say that's, that's kind of where it is with Art Pays Me, yeah. uh, the clothing brand, because I have just found, um, uh, and that's, that's the, that is the key right there. Finding your people by niching down you, you and, and keeping at it and being consistent. Yeah. You eventually find your people mm-hmm. that's the other big thing. Like i all these other clothing brands come and go because it's hard. Um, it's easy to look cool for six months, yeah. but you ultimately have to find your people and then keep keep growing that audience and so I was, I was talking to some of the models at uh, fashion show rehearsal last night and they were being very complimentary they're young and I'm like man these young cool people are telling me how dope my brand is <laughs> and how I should be you know happy and proud and all that I'm like man ha I don't know how to receive this and they're just like what do you mean it's dope and I'm like yeah but that thing that you're saying you love like I put it out at a certain time and it's crickets. So it's very difficult to know. But then once you do find your group of people that you align with, then it's kinda, it just, it it, it becomes more natural. But like, yeah, every now and then I wanna throw in something that doesn't seem like it makes sense. And then I have to like pull myself back because it's, it might be going too far outside of what they expect from an Art Pays Me brand.
2: Are your people finding you for your product or for you?
0: You know what? If you asked me in the beginning, I would have said it's all about the art. It's all about um, creating. I used to think a a lot of these streetwear brands have horrible design t-shirts, but people love them and they just don't understand design, et cetera, et cetera. So my whole thing was like, let me take my graphic design, my superior graphic design brain and, <laughs> and uh, design the best t-shirt. But ultimately, um, that doesn't even matter. <laughs> Sorry, design degree. Uh, <laughs> people, people want. Tell the, f-
1: the kids out there, school's still good. <laughs>
0: doing. School's still good. Yeah. Still go to school. <laughs> um, it, it, almost doesn't matter if the design is good or not. It's like, does it connect and then who are you and how do you connect? So, Nike, I mean, it's faceless at this point, but the idea of Nike still resonates so heavily with people. Um, but then you look at say, uh even Supreme, like people don't necessarily know Jeff or like that, but the the skate, the like what it represents means more than the actual product. They could put out the most bogus t-shirt, but people connect. And I found that. I, it's a a love and hate thing I have with it, like one of the, some of the advice I was given by some business people was to keep myself uh visible in the brand and, and use myself as a model more and I was like, oh, we want' to do that um, but like uh, it's very interesting. People buy from people, and because I don't have you know a billion dollars in marketing to build a brand conglomerate, the superpower I have is myself and Showing, yo, I'm an authentic person. I'm that's the other thing that got me like really wanting to dig back into my art. Like I'm talking about art pays me. I want the people to see that I'm an actual practicing artist doing you know, putting my money where my mouth is. It's not this isn't like fake. It I'm I am the guy. I I am the person behind the brand and the brand is is authentic. And I, it definitely helps with sales. Like and I become friends with with people.
2: Yeah, it's a big responsibility to consider that aspect of your business mm-hmm. because we anybody can kind of pump out products, yeah. but when you start questioning, both for yourself and your customers, what you represent, what story am I telling? What morals do I have? How mm-hmm. do I want to show up? How do I want you to show up? Like that becomes a whole other layer of creativity in business. It's That's the real privilege in it, I think.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Do you feel like... You, you know what you're representing now at this phase?
0: Huh. I know what people think I represent, or at least I think. Um, what I represent, you know, it, it always shifts and, and evolves. I think when I first started uh, doing clothing, it was like, I'm a hip-hop head. I want to, you know, make shocking statements. I want to, like, rile people up. And now it's become, I want to make impactful statements. Uh, I don't want to preach to the choir. I'm not interested in no offense to anyone who does this, but like, I'm not doing, you know, black lives matter or something on a shirt or something like that, because that's preaching to the choir. I want to like say something that's going to piss people off. That's gonna make them think differently.
1: Is that a mindset? That just that you think came with
0: age and experience? I've always been kind of a dick. Um,
2: yeah. That should maybe be the print <laughs> of your next t shirt, I think. I'd wear that. <laughs> I've always
1: been kind of a dick. Yeah. Da, da, da.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by the Flotation Center, an inclusive wellness space that focuses on overall health for all bodies.
1: Founded in 2015 by owner Lindsay McPhee, the Flotation Center has been elevating quality of life through flotation therapy, massage therapy, dietetics, Akashic readings, acupuncture and most recently their infrared sauna which we absolutely love.
2: This community centric business is committed to offering access and treatments to all particularly those who have not experienced this support in traditional clinical settings.
1: We love this space and our approach to business. Book an appointment at www.theflotationcenter.com and follow them on Instagram at The Float Center.
0: Woo! Yeah, like, I, you know, like... A lot of people have that story of being the artist kid that, that like everyone went to, to draw pictures for them. And I was like, when people found out I could draw, I, I just be like, nah, I'm not, I'm not drawing for you. No. Like <laughs> I just, I've always wanted to, to do stuff against the grain to my own detriment. And socially it's made me a loner, a loner in a lot of ways. And I've realized in my old age now that how important community is to, to being successful in life um but i i enjoy um provoking uh discussion and i enjoy deep i'm a very deep thinker even if i'm very quiet like my mind is always piecing things together and making weird analogies and comparisons and my sources are so varied. If you see my Instagram stories, it's like I just post nonsense all day long because I'm just constantly getting fed different things. I'm like, oh, I see how that pieces together. That, yeah. So,
2: yeah. Having those influences from this diverse number of sources, though, I think is what makes for a well-rounded artist. I don't, I don't want to say a good artist um, because what does that mean? What does but you can find inspiration and it's funny because when we were in Colombia, we had this incredible view of the mountains and the sunset Mm -hmm. and this vastness and people we would share some photos and people would say like oh that must be the most inspiring place you must have all 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 these ideas coming to you and in an obvious onlookers way yes it would appear that way yeah but not necessarily i mean i often get ideas if i'm just in my shower, driving to the grocery store. Like, it's more random than that. Mm -hmm. I think there's kind of these grandiose uh, assumptions that inspiration is always coming from nature. And yeah, that's good. We all love nature. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's more these obscure, weird moments where things dawn upon you.
0: Yeah. It's like diversity of experiences almost. Like, yeah, like just living living life like that's one of the big things i would tell the artists too. like live life if you want inspiration like you can't just be sitting up somewhere uh well i mean sorry if you you know you have to or whatever for whatever reason but um that's part of it like for me it's it's uh listening to people i disagree with listen to people i agree with the uh, reading listening watching experiencing like my dogs do something stupid i'm like oh that's that's yeah. something right there
2: yes that's such a good example and and the disagreeing part one i think is something that's not often talked about because that makes you feel something it does maybe you're angry maybe it, it fulfills a passion of a counter argument you might have and that's what you need to talk about or express but yeah it's important to be uncomfortable too
0: yeah like there was a point uh maybe a year or two ago talking to my sister-in-law and i was like man i saw something on twitter and it pissed me off and like the advice is always like you just got to unfollow these people and and stop but and and maybe that is probably good mental health advice to 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 take yourself out of these toxic environments but they ultimately now i've gotten better at regulating how i feel about all of this stuff but i realized now because it it's I feel something. I'm like, I feel something. This is great. Write that down. and there there is art in that
1: I think like the the art that I always gravitate towards, whether it's music, paintings, anything, is all created through life experiences mm-hmm. and and maybe I say that because that's how I create. Like, oh, that's the best way to do it. You have to feel. You don't need to go to music school. Just have feeling in your song. Uh, but, but I truly think that you could go to Berkeley, earn that whatever over hundred thousand dollar degree in music, and know every technical aspect and of of how to play an instrument, music theory, and that. But how can you craft something if you? don't have your heart broken at some point if you don't fall in love if you don't sprain your ankle you can't do the things you like like you have to get that real human emotion to be able to create something that other humans can find truth in and i i know i definitely gravitate towards that i feel kristen you probably do
2: i'm remembering (laughs) our visit to the vienna museum of modern art that I don't know, maybe five or six years ago, Mike and I were there and there was this recording of a performance art piece. Yeah. And I think it was a man and a woman and she, he was laying on his back and she was stuffing raw, like uncooked rice down his pants (laughs) and like pouring stuff, like not in a sexual way. It was just odd. Yeah. And they had tree branches that came in and Mike and I were standing there kind of looking at each other like is what is what is this? Is it supposed <laughs> to be funny because it's hilarious right? And we're there like trying not to bust a gut, and there's this other <laughs> woman standing a few feet away and we see her start to kind of tee hee a little bit. <laughs> and I don't think it was supposed to be a funny piece. Like no right. one was smiling in this performance art, but here five or six years later, I will never forget it. We're still talking about it. Yeah, it still is funny to me. So whether or not it was meant to be that way. It was because of how I felt, which was a little bit awkward, a little bit like, I don't think I'm supposed to be laughing now, but I am. But to me, that's what made it a great piece of art. So maybe I didn't receive it the way the artist intended to, but I don't know if that even matters. And I've actually learned from someone we met at the residency that performance art is really not at all about the creator. It's about the audience. So I think they did an exceptional job now.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I've been learning more about performance art, too, and I, I think that's exactly it. I think they probably would have got a kick out of it if someone just, like, busted out laughing because it's, like, uh, it's almost... And I, I find it funny, too, when people get mad over, like, um, misunderstanding of interpretation of art now because I'm, like, once you put it out, it's the audience. The audience owns it. Like, mm. uh, you know, like it for better or worse, like... And that's actually what I love about, um, painting versus like what I'm doing as a graphic designer, a graphic designer, they have to get it. They have to understand or it's failed, mm. but like as my painting, I'll put it out and I just love hearing people like put their own life experience on it. And sometimes it's completely off, but it's actually right because it's, it's their interpretation and it's fine
2: exactly yeah and that's part of the joy and at least with abstract art if i was painting portraits of people's animals and they're like what's this <laughs> that's probably a fail because it's supposed to be benji but having an abstract form which yours is i would say at least in part it like there's there's yep. room for that interpretation to exist and I, I quite love hearing what people see in it. It might not be like you're saying, it might not be what I see or mm-hmm. what I intended, but who cares? Yeah. It's, there's joy in it being a mirror or a reflection for that person's life experience. Mm-hmm.
0: And to be honest, like as an artist, I am leaning more in the abstract world for those reasons. Um I mean, you can still say my work is representational, but I do have I have some abstract paintings in process right now because, um, it just feels more interesting to me. Anyway, uh, like I can I can draw whatever I can sit there for hours and hours and figure out how to draw something accurately or whatever. But but then you are just that's it's it. It's once you take it in, it's over. But I like that idea that there's more um the audience yeah the audience is more involved i think when 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 there's interpretation there and, and ambiguity there
1: it was funny at the artist residency we did figure drawing mm-hmm. so and i have never done anything like that Kristen had posed in it before years ago but and i can't draw at all like, mm-hmm. i can draw a stick i can draw funny pictures and uh but my skills are, are very, very limited, like a kid in grade three, basically. <laughs> <coughs> An untalented drawer in grade three. And so we went to this figure drawing class and this woman poses and I started trying to draw it, like how she looked in front of me. And I started, I burst out laughing, like it was just so bad. Then I just tore that page off and I just drew Bay based generally on the interpretation of what I was seeing, but since I can't draw the details, I just kind of made my own kind of interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did a, a bunch of them. Like they would change pose, a draw, different people go up and I had whatever, 20 drawings at the end. And I'm like, yeah, I like, I kind of like them. Like they're stupid, but like, it's just <laughs> simple. And then I showed them, I didn't want to show them because I was, <laughs> I was embarrassed, but like, there's all these amazing artists there and I showed them. And they're like, oh my god. And then they started to assess it from an artist's perspective. Yep. Like, your lines are so strong. Like, uh, yeah. I love how you took the angle off her arm and did this. And I'm like, Well, I'm kind of just having fun here, but I'm glad you uh you 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 like it. And that that was one hundred percent from an inability to do what the task was. Sure. But it turned out again, I don't want to say good, because it's all just your interpretation, and they might have just been saying that to make me feel better, but... uh
2: Your drawings were so cool, actually. And it's because, I believe, you didn't have any of these rules that yep. you knew you were breaking. Like, you didn't have any lessons that you were trying to refer to or, or judgment in like, oh, this was supposed to be this way. They were almost... They almost look like logos or like alien shape, which I know sounds funny, but they were completely uniquely yours and you had no idea what you were doing. And I think that's why it turned out and people were fascinated by it. It was different than anybody else in that room.
1: Mm. That was the first time in a while I, uh, that I got into a zone where time passed like so quickly. Like I, I, with music now, like I've been doing it so long, I feel like it's. It's hard to really get into that flow state just because, I don't know, I'm going to pick up a guitar and I'm like, okay, this is my job, I guess. But in that moment, two hours passed in like 15 minutes, it felt like, Mm -hmm. and I was completely focused, like not another thought in my head because I didn't know what I was doing. It was so new to it. I'm like, that felt awesome to do. fun, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's
2: interesting. How do you find that, Dwayne, with like, because you're familiar with your creative process or maybe how long something will take or the Mm -hmm. work that goes into it, does that create a barrier to the flow?
0: Yeah, and I've heard other artists talk about this too, who are very like traditionally skilled. They'll say like what they'll do is they'll draw with their offhand or they'll close their eyes so that there's Mm -hmm. more freedom to like not be stuck and focus on these rules. Um, and I find that is a barrier to getting me to start. Or I'll hit a certain point in a piece that I'm working on. For instance, I did a I'm doing working on a portrait right now, and it ended up being very representational. It, like it looks like the person. And but so I'm getting you say in that my,
2: almost with disappointment in I, your. I voice. know
0: <laughs> I'm I'm getting in my head about it because like now it's like well when I first started I showed it to them and they said it doesn't look like me so then I was like oh. So then I started making it look more like them. But now I'm like, but this is not who I want to be as an artist. So, you know, you do get in your head. It's like, um, that's why been, I been—I don't know. Some of the stuff I've been doing lately where I just like, I just destroy, the, you know, whatever it is. Like, I I love that feeling Um, because we get caught up in all these rules and you went to school and you're supposed to do this. Even with my t-shirt design as a graphic designer, like I look at some of my t-shirts, I'm like, it's not really great graphic design. And, you know, and I started it because I thought that I was going to, you know, revolutionize t-shirt graphic design. (laughs) But then I'm like, it doesn't matter because someone told me that was dope the other day. And I know if, if I showed this to my design teacher, they would say it was trash. So I almost have to like get rid of all of that and say none of it matters. And as long as I feel good about it and the people that I'm trying to give it to feel good about it, then that, that's all that really matters, right?
1: When it resonates with someone who's who enjoys what you've created, like nothing else matters, mm-hmm. especially when people find something positive or inspiring in what you create. And I know having songs that help people get through a hard time or something sure. like that, like... Like I'll maybe release something and it doesn't get the streams I want or w- whatever. Like it's not reaching the threshold I think it deserves to get to. But then you have that one person reach out and say this song helped me and my daughter get through this significant time in her life. Like yeah, and you're like, okay, this is uh, this is meaningful. <laughs> like. It's, mm-hmm. If it can touch that one person, I know that it's worth it. And also, if you can touch that one person, it has potential to reach more people.
0: This is it. Yeah. And it's like, maybe I just haven't put it in front of enough of the right people. Exactly. Yeah.
2: I know you have a big show coming up on Friday, so a fashion show. Is this your first show like this post-pandemic or what I'll say, post-pandemic? Yeah. How is it getting back into that? groove
0: uh it's been really fun actually um of course i'm a little like you know my my anxiety is is a little high right now yeah. but um it's been fun just uh being around people again uh the models are really cool uh um they they're affirming because they like the clothes so that's like that's been nice to see because some of them hadn't heard of the brand before so and some of them are some of the kids who aren't like part of my group mm-hmm. who are just modeling for other people were coming around and they're like, oh, that's cool. I like that. Can I have that? And I'm like, well, it's it's not, you know, this is for the show. So, <laughs> no, you can't have it. But thank you. Uh, so, so that's been really cool to finally like be around people because I'm pretty reclusive in general. Like I don't do pop up shops as often as I should. And I don't all my stuff is online so if you don't follow me online you just don't see my stuff mm-hmm. um so i'm excited to be back and it's it's an immersive experience like there's sound there's music there's human um dynamics that are at play and it's so it's just cool for it to and it becomes a performance so it's it's so much cooler to be away from a laptop or or a canvas and and all your stuff is in three dimensions and, and interacting with people. It's it's cool.
2: Yeah, it's such a more interesting way to showcase art as well versus like I've done a few markets and I, it's just not my scene. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't like that kind of selly yeah. feel, but showing is very different than selling, I, I think.
0: Sure. Yeah. And that's, I think that's part of it for me too. Like, I don't enjoy like sitting behind a desk and like, can hey, come look at
2: my stuff. Yeah, uh, buy, my <laughs> just, buy my stuff. Get your but
0: also buy my stuff. But but that's probably why I'm also like not as good at this stuff as probably I should be, because um so <laughs> another one of the weird tangents I go on, I I did uh some photo double work on the Washington Black that I was filming here. Oh, cool. Mm. And I was in scenes with like actors, like <laughs> uh Sterling K. Brown and um Tom Ellis and I'm talking to him and stuff like that. Did I ever talk to them about Art Pays Me and what I do? No, well, because, you know, I don't want to sell. I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be that guy. But-,
1: but imagine if you did. He's like, oh, <laughs> can I get a shirt? And then he wears that shirt. I don't know where they're from, but, right. you know, like maybe in an interview or something. And who knows where that takes you. But- yeah. But it, that's the that's the the tough line to, that we're all straddling in yeah. terms of marketing ourselves because the people who are oh you gotta you gotta listen to my music you gotta hear go going up to every manager and agent like they're just like fuck off like right <laughs> have a, you got I think you have to create that relationship first.
0: That's how I feel too. And
1: then put it in and I don't know how the extent of your conversations with with them there but. I feel like if you just go for the sale right away, that's never going to work.
0: yeah, and yeah, and I, I was in a work environment too, so yeah. like, you know, mm. I don't want to be that you know break the professional code or anything yeah. like that, so I don't feel disappointed in myself for that sense, but when I look back, I'm like, I see some of the other brands are doing a much better job of whenever there's a, a famous person in town, they manage to find a way to get their stuff in that person's hands, mm. and um yeah, I just, so I'm like, do I just not have the hustle? Am I just not a good salesperson? Like, what am I doing wrong sort of thing? And I start, yeah.
2: We had a guest on, uh, her name's Steph McNamara. She's a photographer. She and uh, Aaron Bolger were on the same episode. And Steph actually connected with Mike and I, we didn't know her, to see mm-hmm. if she could come take some photographs of us in our studios. Oh, cool. To build her portfolio and, you know, sure. expand her network, all these things. But it was such a great lesson for us even because she was like, you know, maybe a little bit nervous or yeah. is, is it okay if I just kind of cold call or cold email these people? But we were not only flattered, but ended up with this great product in the end. Yep. And now she's a great friend. So it was a good lesson in how to network perhaps it doesn't have to be do you want to buy this thing it's kind of making that connection and there was like a mutual exchange there I guess so like that that can't fit for everything but I really admired the way that she went about it
0: Mm -hmm. yeah I mean that's funny you say that because yeah like one of the photographers I've worked with the most is a as someone who I met through the changing the narrative podcast used to photograph us behind the scenes and He's shot fashion shows for me. He shot individual shoots. He's shot so much because of that chance um, interaction. And, and folks who have helped us behind the scenes in a produ- producer-type role are, are still friends of mine and, as well. So I guess it comes on to, um, if you're doing that, are you bringing value? And if you're bringing value, then it's, it's an exchange rather than people who are just approaching you to get something from you. And that's it
2: yeah how do how do you feel about that kind of outreach uh, I
1: guess a lot of well well just in a face to face conversation it's it's definitely tricky, mm-hmm. but try to do it through social media, through i guess humorous ways. I feel like if you're making fun of yourself, it's you're allowed to do it mm. um' cause, yeah, if you just if you just go on. Well, like, like I said earlier, for the sell right away, yeah. it's just hard. Like mm-hmm. people, just so many people are doing it. It's just, there's just too much for people to sift through. So I feel like you have to kind of do it in a unique way. And I just happen to like doing kind of, I guess, comedic videos. And then there's no actual sell in it. You just throw my website in a song at the end kind of thing. <laughs> and just hope that, okay, if we get a bunch of eyes on this video... Maybe a few people will go to our website and see what we're about kind of thing.
2: But I think that also circles back to people showing, your audience showing up for you, not just your product. Like that's a huge part of a brand is who you are as a person. So you you have fans that know your silly videos and didn't know that you were a musician yeah but it's also (laughs)
1: funny. it's hard it's
2: bittersweet but you can confuse your
1: audience a lot with stuff like that too and that's Mm. been a a a challenge that we've had for a while like because we write serious music and you know we're talking about generally serious topics but then we have this whole other persona where it's just goofy basically mm. so it is a bit of a challenge to merge the two and but again i i they're both things that i like to do or both things that i am so i feel like i'm not gonna change it I just try to merge them in a way and if i release a comedic video i'd follow up shortly after with hey here's a, a video of us playing a song live or something you know So it's just trying to make sure that the audience knows what they're getting.
0: Isn't that interesting, though, that we all feel like we have to, like, hide certain aspects of ourselves?
2: (laughs) We've been talking about being East Coasters. Okay. And believe, like, a little bit of that factors into just being known as a nice Canadian and the expectations that others have especially fellow Canadians sure yeah in that niceness
0: yep and humble and all that
2: and all that stuff so when you're trying to promote yourself that creates a little bit of a challenge because mm-hmm. you're not to say you have to be a jerk to promote yourself but just the the nature of doing that the the act of self promotion or Asking people to support you or vote for you or buy yeah. things feels a little bit counterintuitive to how our culture functions. Sure. So I know you like you weren't born and raised here, but yeah. you've lived here long enough to know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I
0: know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I, I don't know if that's a barrier. I, I think it's it's beautiful that we are so loving and kind to one another as a people here in mm-hmm. Eastern Canada. But... It also comes with the responsibility of that consistency all the time. And we're just humans aren't happy all the time. Things aren't always, you know, rainbows every day, especially not as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So how honest do you be about that? And is it a detriment to that identity? Is it a detriment to your business? But that's part of, again, like doing these podcasts. Like we want to be honest about this side of things too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There is a line, and I think, like, also me talking about uh, some of that Twitter stuff is sometimes people their br- like their brand, even though they don't necessarily think of it as a brand, is they just complain all the time. So there's a line of right um, negativity, and if you're it's a personal account, doesn't matter. But when you're a business or a brand or an artist or something like that, then um, it can't just be oh the world is on fire because people on some level want to i don't know connect with you for other reasons other than that unless i guess your whole thing is the world is on fire maybe then that doesn't Mm -hmm. matter but for me personally anyway when i i I believe in the transparency and i talked about mental health stuff that i've dealt with and i feel like that kind of stuff um connects me with my audience in a, in a more genuine way. Um, but then I also like to throw in silly puppy videos and my dogs doing stuff and, and my kids and good, and good news things that happen, too, because that's all part of it. That's all part of the ride. It's not just all doom and gloom.
2: Sure. And, and both of those examples are authentic to your life. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you about basketball, sure, and Mike you're probably better equipped to <laughs> ask the basketball questions, but we we spoke a little bit earlier about background in athletics and how sometimes that can marry into the same mindset of a creative person. well you were
1: talking earlier about this fashion show coming up sure. where you're you're dealing with a bunch of people, you're organizing all this stuff that have different different types of personalities you're dealing with. And I know myself from growing up playing sports, that's equipped me and enabled me to deal with situations like that. And I think that sports have really made me the artist I am, which is Mm. a weird thing to say, but my ability to understand how to work hard, my ability to take, uh, constructive feedback and criticism my ability to handle losing because there's a lot of losing in this uh and not that there's sports are the only way you can learn this but i feel like it is certainly an amazing way to learn all these skills that come into your life later on do you have you felt that
0: yeah definitely um between basketball and martial arts um like uh, yeah, I'm a. I played forward, so every now and then you just have a point guard who's just a dick, and they just they yell all the time. They're like, "Get down there and rebound! What are you doing on the wing? I don't want you out there. You're not. Don't shoot the ball. Don't shoot the ball. You can't shoot." And it's just like, but ultimately they're still on your team, and you still have to figure out how to to work together with that person. And you might be pissed off. You might not even like them, but uh, you know. They're, they're on the team with you so mm-hmm. um navigating those different personalities and seeing, and, and finding the value because they're like okay maybe i don't like the way they talk to me or i don't like the way they do xyz but he really is a good shooter so i should pass him the ball because he can shoot better than i can so he's not completely wrong um but, you know so it it's it's recognizing those different things about people uh that i think has has kind of helped but then also Uh, the the training and the putting in reps and going from one skill level to another skill level If like someone shoots better how did they shoot better or they shot every day in the gym for whatever um you just got to put that time and keep doing it keep doing it keep doing it and then eventually you see results and that's kind of what i've learned from martial arts and from from basketball too and and art is the creative industry is the same way like you can't you can't expect growth without putting in time. Sometimes people think just existing and being dope is enough, and it's not. It It's really not enough. you got to keep putting in and putting in and putting in.
1: Yeah, I feel like I started playing music, like, Jesus, uh, I guess as a career almost 20 years ago now, and uh, really um, as as it being my income like a dozen years ago like my main income um so i i feel like it's just been a necessity to understand how to put in the hard work and i've seen so many people in that time frame who are probably way more talented sure, than me yeah. like just give up like cuz all I knew in basketball and sports was just, there's all, my dad always said, there's always someone out there working harder than you. Mm-hmm. So that just inspired me to just, okay, I got to go sh- take jump shots for four hours today. Yeah. And even then, someone else out there is going to be tra- taking shots for five hours. Sure. Sort of thing. So I approached the music industry in the same way and try to put in the time. And I I'll, I know at a certain point, like, okay, this is, I feel good about what I did today or how much work I put in or just the work I put in the last week or month or whatever. Yeah. But I think that, that mindset is definitely gained from sports. And again, there's different ways you can learn this, like working a job or, or whatever, but sports is a great way to, for kids to, to learn these, these attributes because it's also fun. Mm -hmm. Like You're having a good time, you have a coach you like, your friends are there and you're you're learning about teamwork and, and all these little things. And I I feel like I've encountered people in life who never had some variation of that, whether through sport or parenting or just a job they work and they just cannot handle adversity. They just don't know how to work hard and think at the end of the day these are the necessary things that propel you to that next level.
0: Yeah. I I think part of that too we didn't say is is that sometimes you do everything right, you work hard, um you hit all the shots you were supposed to hit but the other team just did it a little bit better. Yeah. And there's nothing you could have done and um you know, sometimes as an artist we, we've done everything we can do and we still didn't hit whatever we're supposed yeah. to hit. And we feel like a failure, but I think being prepared from sports kind of helped me with that. It's like, I know mm-hmm. as long as I feel like I've done everything I can do, I'm okay with things. I mean, I'm disappointed, but yeah. I'm okay because I know I did everything I can do. They, they were just better today and that's it.
1: Yeah, lo- losing sucks, <laughs> but <laughs> but you know you're going to win eventually. Eventually, And that, that it will come around kind of thing. Because if... Yeah if you never lost anything imagine how how significant whatever not getting a show is if your whole life you just everything you you got everything you wanted then you're an artist and whatever you don't get into a festival or something that would be horrific Mm -hmm. yeah you need to get the shit beat out of you along the way in in different capacities
2: i imagine every career you're faced with failure or loss of some sort but certainly in the creative industries like just do not enter if you're incapable of dealing with that emotion it's just inevitable and that's not that's not negative there's lots of success and joy and so many wonderful positive things about it too or we wouldn't choose this life but it's of course you'll be faced with probably a little bit more than most that rejection in some form so you get to kind of just be yeah. ready for it
0: with just having that conversation with my daughter as i was run, leaving the house she just admitted that she wants to be an artist
2: <laughs> admitted uh,
0: yeah because she was like i think embarrassed for a while um and just was like i want she loves animals so she wanted to be a, a zoologist or something like that mm. and um yeah, it just, it just, it came out. We were talking and she was just like, I don't even, I think we were talking about university or something. And she's like, I don't even want to do that. I just want to be an artist. And it's like, oh, mm. okay. Well, so for me now, knowing that I'm going to zero in on that even more and try to like support her. But like, she was of the mindset of, I've got an Instagram account. Um, I do really good work. That's all I need. I'm I'm going to be fine. mm -hmm. And I'm like, "Mm." Mm hmm.
2: That's a good start, though. Good for her.
0: That's a good start. Yeah. But we got a lot more to do. She's like, I don't need to know how to talk to people and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you kind (laughs) of do.
1: Kristen's going to pee. We often talk uh, to our guests about um, what making it means to them sure and i think i think there's no right or wrong answer like cuz some people like making it as a musician is just getting on stage one time and i got to perform in front of people and they enjoyed it and other people like i want to headline Wembley stadium in front of 80,000 people and if i get there that is that is making it mm-hmm. as an artist do you have something in mind and have you already accomplished that or what what does Mm. that mean to you
0: yeah i have like my child as far as like my childhood um goals in life in any way i would say i've accomplished pretty much all of those yeah but um of course those things shift so i think um it's so hard because i i listen to these podcasts and these artists are in these incredible galleries or in yeah. these incredible spaces and i think i want that um but then i keep asking myself but why do i why do i want to because i've achieved you know, um so much already in life and but then i you know i i I get in that thing where people say, you know, don't think so small. So, um, why are you limiting? Why are you having limited beliefs? And, you know, why, why not go for as big as you can, can, can have. Um, so I, I, that is something I actually struggle with because I know there's a financial number, like minimum that I'm like, if I hit that, I think I'll be good. But, Do I would I be okay with more? Like, do I want to be world famous? Do I want to be respected um, for my work? Do I want to have global impact? And I'm like, that would be kind of (laughs) cool. At the same time,
2: it's tricky because we have examples of those lives too that we can see. So we. We observe someone else's, say, success or structure to their life and think, well, maybe that's the way. Sure. Maybe that's the secret because we can see it now. It's tangible. And it reminds me of, I wrote in my journal while we were away that I was too much of the black sheep in my government job, but not enough of the black sheep to be an artist is Ah. how I was feeling in that moment. And so I called myself the beige sheep (laughs) in this moment and- I, I, at the time, was writing this to myself in a judgmental light. Like, mm-hmm. you're not enough here, and you're not enough here, so what are you? Right. When, in hindsight or upon reflection, I realize that's actually the sweet spot. Yeah. It doesn't, the bay sheep isn't out there yet. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily know exactly what that life looks like, but my strengths, because they're from... Almost opposing worlds or very different worlds, at least. Sure. Maybe that's the thing that will become the example that someone else could look to.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But we we're exposed to a lot of a lot of stuff now
0: because we see I see all these people who you know the, the the celebrities and the the people who you would see at the the pinnacle of our industries respectively and not they don't all necessarily seem to be living happy lives so um money and fame and all of that stuff doesn't to me seem like it's all it's cracked up to be uh but like not having to worry about money i think ultimately would be what i feel would be making it if i can like feel like i can create like, look at Damien Hurst. I mean, I that's not a goal for me necessarily, but this guy just put a, you sh- put a shark in for Mogahide, like, and create all kinds of crazy shit, like, just because, like, oh, what, what can I think of today? I'm going to do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that seems like I would kind of love to do that, but I don't necessarily need to do it on that level, but that would be making it to me. I can do whatever crazy idea that comes to my mind, but the bills are paid and I don't have to worry about anything. Yeah,
2: it sounds like it's more about a feeling then a
0: feeling yeah that's exactly what i'm looking for like Mm -hmm. freedom to to do that like my family's in bermuda so you know be able to financially go and visit them whenever i want because it's thousands of dollars every time i travel so you know it's it's a serious decision every time we we do that so if i had the money to be able to fly them here or go visit them whenever um those kind of things are are would be making it to me uh to where that's it's it's just not a big deal for me to do that so.
2: yeah i think same it's it's peace of mind really mm-hmm. it, it's the feeling of ease yeah that maybe we're all looking for that
3: yeah
0: yeah
2: what do you wish you had more of in your life
0: free time
2: mhm
0: yeah that's one thing that i've been thinking about like i get annoyed sometimes when people tell me how boring things are or how bored they are i'm like i could go for some boredom right now mm-hmm. uh,
2: boredom's underrated
0: yeah um yeah time because like i want to ex- access i want to get back into exercising regularly can't because i'm so busy um maybe that's limiting belief uh, <laughs> I don't know. But like, there just always seems to be like more things that I want to do. Like, I want to play video games. Don't have time to play video games. I, because I'm like, my free time is spent trying to make this art thing work. So,
2: yeah. And when you're working a full time job, that's, that's exactly how I felt. And I'm very new into full time entrepreneurship. Yeah. But I can say that immediately, and, and it took me, At least a year to allow myself to make this decision like it was turmoil, to be honest, for all the reasons you've talked about, like, it does offer a certain sense of security. And without that, it just is replaced with a different kind of anxiety. Like, that is true. However, in talking about free time, I felt that way too. I would work my nine to five and then evenings and weekends were running a business essentially. And mm-hmm. like there there really is. And I, I think in hindsight, it's not about like scarcity mindset. It's like, no, I just didn't have any more hours in the day. I mm. would like to think that it was something I could change in my mind, but, but you
0: literally don't have I the time.
2: just did not mm-hmm. have any more time. Right. And But I can only see some of these clarities now that that time is freed up, Mm -hmm. ironically.
0: Right, of course. So
2: it's a really, it's an uncomfortable position to be in. And it's, my life in lots of ways has gotten better emotionally and mentally. Um, And again, this is new, but it's still uncomfortable in different ways. Sure. So it's, I think there's just always going to be a little bit of, Transitioning happening and evolution happening and discovering what you're like, what is meaningful. So, if it's mm-hmm. not just money, then what is it? Yeah. Because if you're stepping away from the financial security, you better be certain about why that is or what you want to replace it with. Yeah. So, that's floating around up there now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I can imagine, like, there's a part of me that's like, if I, Get rid of the day job. That means I'll have more opportunity to make money doing all these other things. But what if I don't?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's very real. It's a very real emotion. Yeah, I have no regrets. I wake up most days just feeling grateful that I don't have to go through the routine that I grew tired of. But yeah, then you're faced with a lot of other decisions and emotions. So it just is what it is. Yeah.
1: Uh, well that I think that's uh a good way to end all this. And uh Dwayne, where can people find
0: you online? Um yeah, I'm at artpaysme dot com, uh at art Pays Me on Instagram and on Twitter, and pretty much all the other social medias too, but I don't use those as much. Uh yeah.
2: Yeah, perfect. It's
1: awesome to have you in our space here a great chat
2: yeah thanks for sharing your truths and being honest about what it's like and answering (laughs) our questions and I hope you have a great show this weekend thank you it's like a lot of fun
1: yeah congrats on that too
0: thank you thank you thank you thanks for having me
2: yeah right on
1: okay cheers buddy